At this time, we are blessed to have our second message for the day by Pastor Steve Andrews. I'm going to prepare a little of this, because I know I'm going to need it, and um, put it right there. Hopefully I won't knock it over. It's interesting, um, I was thinking about places, uh, I wasn't born in Oklahoma, <laughs> I was born in Caracas, Venezuela, so, um, but I came back to the States before I ever knew that, that I was born in some other country, and so, <laughs> essentially I'm an Okie, and the, through and through, up and down, whatever you want to call me, and I was thinking, I've been to some different places in my life. I haven't been to England, which would have been interesting, and Scotland and Ireland and different places that I would like to go. I've never been there. Um, people say Hawaii is beautiful, but I don't know if I'd like to be right where the volcanoes are potentially <laughs> ready to go off. I have been to Oregon and to California, to the, the coast, and they're so beautiful. I mean, just gorgeous. Um, and I guess if I had a, a place that I might like to move to, if, if I had a chance, it might be those areas, but they're kind of expensive, so I've kind of put that out of my mind, and I'm getting too old for that, so I'm going to be an Okie until I die. So that, uh, that just uh, is where it's going to stay. But you know, it's interesting that the one that created all things, including you and I, has a desire to live on this earth. And that's, sometimes that's kind of mind-boggling that the one who created things desires to be with his creation desires to live among them, to inhabit on this earth in a very particular place. And that place is in Israel, and that place is called Zion, and right next to it is Jerusalem. And we're going to study about that today, or look into it, because I thought it was very fascinating as... Um, Gus went through the different scriptures. I'm going to start with Psalms, the 132nd. Psalm 132. Let's get that one right. What's fascinating about it is that God has already picked this out a very long time ago. And probably at creation, because that's the area in which he put the Garden of Eden, put Adam and Eve. And he desires to come down and be with us. It says in Psalm 132, beginning of verse 13, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. He wants to live, leave the heavenly realm and come and dwell with us. Uh, and Zion. 
And if your Bible was in red in the Old Testament, these are the words. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it, says the Lord. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation. Her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for my anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. So this is very special to God. This place called Zion and also the area called Jerusalem. And I have a, uh, uh, a little short piece here from the uh, Easton Bible Dictionary. And it's, um, it's under the heading of Zion and it's called the City of David. And we're going, to read the, we're going to read the scriptures here in a minute, but I just wanted to read these various words. David took, the Jebu, uh, took from the Jebusites the fortress of Mount Zion. He dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. There was the name after, uh, uh, this was the name afterwards given to the castle and royal palace on Mount Zion, as distinguished from Jerusalem, opposite the Temple Mount, which and with which it was connected by a bridge over the um, Tyropoean Valley. I don't know if they spelled it, but I did that right, but it's close enough for, uh, for me. <laughs> and, and, of course, Bethlehem is called the city of David because it's where David was, uh, the place that David was born, and his birthplace and early home. And then there was another little piece here um, called Jerusalem. And I'd like to read it, too, because it kind of gives us an idea of the, of, the, of the surrounding area. Called also Salem, Ariel, Jebus, or, or Yebus, if it was uh, Hebrew, and the city of God, the holy city, and by modern Arabs, El-Quds, meaning the holy. Once the city of Judah, this name is in the original, the dual form, and means possession of peace or foundation of peace. The dual form probably refers to the two mountains on which it is built, Zion and Moriah. Zion and Moriah. Or, as some suppose, to the two parts of the city, the upper and the lower city. Jerusalem is a mountain city enthroned on a mountain fastness. And then he gives a bunch of scriptures. And it stands on the edge of one of the highest table lands in Palestine and is surrounded on the east, south, eastern, and southern, and the western sides by deep and precipitous ravines. And so with a little um, geography and a little background there, we can have a feel for the possession that David took of this thing called Zion. This, this area called Zion. So let's turn to Numbers as we get a little back, some more background here. Let's turn to Numbers, the 13th chapter. And let's look at some of the historical perspective of who was in the land 
before David was born. Numbers 13, beginning in um, verse 27 through 33. And they told him and said, We came to the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong. And of course, this is, this is that time when they went into the land to spy it out, they, to see what it was like, and they came back. And these are the things that they said about the land. He said, nevertheless, the, the, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell in, by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we uh, are well able to overcome it. He believed that God gave them the promise they could make it. But the men that, were, that went with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched to the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which, came, uh, which come of the uh, giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And so God was very displeased with them and made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years over that. Now let's turn to First Chronicles, beginning in verse 1, or chapter 1, and verse 13. Just some background here. Canaan fathered Zidon, his firstborn, and Heth. The Jebusite also, and the Amorite, and the Gergesite. So, <clears throat> these family members were from Canaan. And uh, the Jebusite was out of Canaan. So, we understand now what the birth uh, position is. So now let's go back to Exodus, the 34th chapter. Let's look at that. Just finding some background information here. Exodus 34, and beginning in um, um, verse 11. Observe you that which I command you this day. Behold, I drive out before you the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the, per uh, uh, the Perizzite, or the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Take heed to yourselves, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you go, lest it be for you for a snare in the midst of you. God warned them if they did not, and one, they, he didn't let, they didn't let him drive them out, so they ended up having to. And they also didn't go by what God said, because they did allow some of those um, nations to go ahead and stay in the land, and they did have trouble, and they were a snare to Israel. So now let's go to Judges, the first chapter. Once again, just another little quick uh, basis of this. 
beginning in verse, in just one verse here, Judges 1, uh, 1 and verse 21. And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. That was at the time of the Judges, the beginning of the time of the Judges. And so we, now we go to, to, to 2 Samuel as we find that David does take this over. And this is the beginning of his kingdom. This is 2 Samuel and chapter 5. And beginning in verse 4. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 30 years, uh, 30 and three years over all Israel and Judah. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem to the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land which spoke uh, to David, saying, Except you take away the blind and the lame, you shall not come in here, thinking David cannot come in and take it over. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, the same is the city of David. And David said on that day, Whosoever gets up to the gutter and smites the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Wherefore they said, The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So David dwelled in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built round about from Milo and inward. And so David took it over, became king, and that was his dwelling area. In 2 Samuel, the sixth chapter, just over a little bit, and this was about the, uh, when they tried to bring the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant in, and um, lost a man due to that because he touched it. Let's go to verse 15, though, because David did learn what was right and how to do it, so he brought it to Zion. He brought it to the city of David. In verse 15, so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him to, the, to her heart. And they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it, and David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And so we see that David desired to have that Ark of the Covenant and for God to be there, as God has desired to be there. In 2 Chronicles, now we go to 2 Chronicles and we see that Solomon now takes that into Jerusalem. Just, just a background, very quick background on this because there's a lot of information we're skipping over, but I wanted to let you know this background here before we went into to the scriptures on Zion. Second Chronicles 5, verses 1 through 7. Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought all the things that David his father had dedicated, 
the silver and the gold. This is chapter 5, verse 1 of Second Chronicles. All the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes of the chief and the fathers of the children of Israel to Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is in Zion. So, everything was complete. And the need now was to bring that Ark of the Covenant into the temple. Wherefore, all the men of Israel assembled themselves to the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the Ark. And they brought up the Ark, and the, ta- uh, and the tabernacle, the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests and the Levites bring up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled to him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen, which could, be, uh, could not be told nor numbered for multitude. So that finished that process as they brought that ark for that first temple that was created, was made by Solomon. Now, I just picked Psalms and Isaiah to go through today, and yet there's so many other um, verses that can be gone through on this very interesting, very profoundly interesting subject of Zion, the place where God desires to reside. In Psalms of the second, Psalm, the second chapter, the Psalm, Psalm number two. <laughs> I'll do a little bit more water here. It's so wet outside, and I'm so dry inside for some reason. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> Beginning of verse five. Then shall he speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet. Have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion? This is so profound. I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me. You are my son. This day have I begotten you. Ask of me and I shall give you um, the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. It's interesting that what we see is both um, in, in the Psalms is, is both contemporary at their time but also prophetic because it looks to the kingdom and the day when Christ will reign upon the earth and will he'll have power over the nations. We see now in Psalm 69, actually we can go to Psalm, um, well let's go to Psalm 69, beginning in verse 34. Let the heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves therein. Psalms are beautiful, the praise of God and the things that they say. And sometimes just breaking into the middle of them, um, you miss some of the, the, the power that are, that are embedded into the psalm. And, but the length of time that it would take to bring all of these psalms out and all of the, the, the power that's in them 
would be very, very long. But if you look at some of these and go back and maybe read the psalm in a little bit um, in context, you'll see the writer, David, or um, whoever the writer was, that the Spirit of God was upon them in writing these. Let the, earth, let the heaven and the earth praise him and the seas and everything that moves therein. For God will save Zion and will build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and have it in possession. The seed also of his servants shall inherit it, and they that love his name shall dwell therein. There's always some look into the far future, far, far future. You realize when it's talking about the seed of his servants shall inherit it, and they that love his name shall dwell therein. You know, I ask, where would you want to dwell? What place would you like to dwell? Well, <laughs> don't you want to dwell with God? Don't you want to dwell with Jesus Christ as ruling on the earth? Well, if that's the case, you're going to be dwelling in Zion. You're going to be dwelling in Jerusalem. That is going to be your home and my home. I look forward to that day. I look forward to that time. In Psalm 78, by the way, this is a very powerful Psalm 78. And it's a very long one. It has 72 verses. But I'm going to skip a lot of them and go to verse 67 to the end. Moreover, he refused the tabernacle of Joseph and chose not the tribe of Ephraim. And God was making these decisions. He'd already rejected certain parts, but chose the tribe of Judah, the Mount Zion, which he loved. Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like high palaces, like the earth, which he has established forever. He chose David also, his servant, took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes, great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Don't we want that for each and every one of us? To have God guide us, lead us, to feed us, to help us through life. Sounds like a, you know, <laughs> to have a personal relationship with God and that he would take care of us in that fashion, in that form. And his choice of dwelling. Psalm 87. Psalm 87. His foundation is the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you. And in the uh, psalm that I've sung so many times, glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. O city of God, Selah. And I'm just reading those three verses there. And now, Psalm 102. 
By the way, you can go and you can get um, Strong's Concordance or Cruden's Concordance or any of those concordances. Go through and look up about Zion. Because God's heart is there. Of course, his heart is there because his children are going to be there permanently someday. My days are like a shadow, verse 11, that declines, and I am withered like grass. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever, and your remembrance to all generations. You shall arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. For your servants take pleasure in her stones, and favor the dust thereof. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth your glory. When the Lord shall build upon Zion, he shall appear in his glory. One of these days, he will come to this earth and change all things. After great cataclysms and great armies and great things going on, and when he returns, there will be glory in Israel. And the bombings... Those, that poor little Israel state is going to end. And he's going to judge those nations. He's going to judge all those nations over there for what they have done. Psalm 146. Just one, verse 10. The Lord shall reign forever, even your God, O Zion, to all generations. Hallelujah. Praise you, the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, the Lord. I noticed in the song, it was about Zion. And um, Gus had decided to, to all, of the, all the songs that we had had some form of, of Zion in the song. So I thought that was, was pretty good. We ended up with one today that had Zion in it also. Now, the prophecies of Isaiah are many and very deep, and they look forward to the kingdom, and they look forward to the first coming of the Jesus Christ, and they look forward to the second coming of Christ. They look, look to the kingdom. They look to that being set up on, the, on this earth. And you would expect, of course, that Zion would be mentioned, and it is a lot of times in the book of Isaiah. So, we start in Isaiah, the first chapter and beginning, and a couple of them here, 24 through 28. Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will ease me of my adversaries and venge me of my enemies. I don't think this world knows what the wrath of God is all about. One of these days, it's going to experience it, and it's not going to be pleasant. And I will turn my hand upon you and purely purge away your dross and take away your tin. And I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. One of these days, he's going to change things, and it's going to be for the very good. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converts with righteousness and the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together 
And they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. They that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. One of these days in that land there shall be set up a kingdom. And the, and the word will go out from Zion as it says here in chapter 2 in verse 3. Many people shall go and say, Come you, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Let us go up there to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. All of this is going to happen in that, in that area over there that is under great turmoil. I mean, there's, I think I'll open this up so it's not quite so noisy. about that. Maybe that'll help. Bring it down a little bit. I think I'm... There we go. Is that it? Yeah, that's better. <laughs> I'm just... My microphone's going along with my scratchy voice today. Just helping it out, I think. <laughs> Isaiah 35, Isaiah 35, beginning in verse 4, say to them that are a fearful heart, be strong, fear not, behold your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense, and he will come and save you, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall the waters break forth, and the streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, and the inhabitants of the dragons, which um, are marsh creatures, as it says here, which, are, which each, each lay, uh, lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and a way that shall be called the way of the holiness, and the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those that uh, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. It is a time in the future when that particular part of the world will be like a, a beautiful gem to all the nations. People will want to go up. They will want to be a part of it. Those that are unclean, those that are sinners, those that are still wanting to, to be perverse will not be allowed into that city. They will not be allowed to be a part of it. In Isaiah, the 24th chapter, just back a little bit. Isaiah 24, and beginning in verse, just one verse, 23. Let's see if I can find that here. Then, and this is, this is, Quite profound. And I kind of was mulling over this. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign 
in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. You know, when the, when the glory of God is on the earth, the sun, the moon, all of those glories will be paled in comparison. They will pale in comparison to the glory of the Father and the Son and of his children that will be walking on this earth. And I, as I was looking at that, I got to realizing this is, this is tremendously the future. His ancients, gloriously, we will be there with God. And we will shine and we will see him like he is. In Isaiah, the 52nd chapter, there's so much, just very much just touching the surface of Zion, what God is going to be doing on this earth. Verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace, that brings good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that says to Zion, your God reigns. I let song, Our God Reigns. Our, over and over, Our God Reigns. It says here, Your God Reigns in Zion. In um, chapter 40, there is a lot in chapter 40. <laughs> and I'm not going to read all of it. I, I was going to read the whole chapter, but I think that I would like for you to read the, the chapter uh, through. It's so filled with so much. And, and I might read just a few verses here at the beginning. Comfort you, comfort you, my people, says your God. Speak you comfortably to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received of the Lord's hand double for her sins. And so... God has repaid her for all the things, and, the, and it's, it, it's, a, um, it's words from God about what he's going to do with his people. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see two uh, together, for the uh, mouth of the Lord has spoken. Cry, the voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I cry? He says, all flesh is grass, and, and all the God, uh, goodliness thereof is the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the Spirit of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, verse 8, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion, that brings good tidings, get you up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that brings good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. And right now, today, in the society, in the world, the whole world is rejecting God. And yet one of these days, there's going to be a shout, Behold your God! And everyone will know the true God. 
Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand. His arm shall rule for him, and behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. He shall gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth and measure and weighed in the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor who taught him? With whom took he counsel? Who instructed him, taught him the path of judgment, taught him knowledge, showed to him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of a balance. Behold, he takes up the isles and has a very little thing. It's interesting, all the power that he talks about in this chapter, yet God wants to dwell with his creation. He has all the power. He doesn't put up with us. He doesn't need us. And yet he wants to dwell with us. Talks down here about how they make idols, graven images, lay them down, worship them. And they're not God at all. And when he looks at it, he's so upset. I understand that. And even his own people did the same thing, made a golden calf and worshiped, and it was not God. In Isaiah, the, back in Isaiah, the 59th chapter, as I said, there's a lot in that ch chapter if you'd like to read through it, very powerful verses. And the Redeemer shall come, verse 20, to Zion, to them that turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your seed, nor out of the mouth of your seed's seed, says the Lord, from hereafter forever and ever. It's interesting that when that word really does take root inside of us and really does grow and become a strong force in our life, I think we actually can see that God will be with us forever and forever and that we'll be with him. Because he does guide and lead our hearts and our minds in ways that are very difficult for some people in the world to understand. When we keep his way, keep his days, and we're reminded that those words point to the kingdom of God, point to the day when he is going to come to this earth and be king of kings and lord of lords and rule over all. In Isaiah, the 28th chapter, this is a prophetic thing about Christ, and I'm going to read them out of the New Testament also. So we see here in uh, Isaiah, the 28th chapter, and beginning in just one verse, 16. Therefore, says, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for, a, for, for foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. 
He that believes shall not make haste. That stone, that cornerstone, of course, is Christ. And if we look at Romans, the eighth, ninth chapter now, into Romans, the ninth chapter, beginning in verse 29. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord Sabbath had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and had been made as like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which follow not after the righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. As it's written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. When Christ came to the very people that should have been should have recognized him for what he was, they rejected him. And, they, they re, and in fact, they rejected this very scripture about that, that um, cornerstone, that one stone. And they didn't understand that. In 1 Peter, in 1 Peter, the second chapter. Beginning of verse, uh, verse 1. I'll read a few verses here. Because this lays the foundation for what we're talking about. He says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies, all evil speakings as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted the Lord is great, that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming as to a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. How precious is our Savior. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. And we are. We are growing and we are a part of the body of Christ. Metaphorically, we're a spiritual house that the, the Spirit of God dwells in, works in directs our lives. Your lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believes on him shall not be confounded. Notice where it's laid. It's, even though this is a spiritual thing, the foundation, the start, the beginning is laid in Zion. And the foundation and the culmination of the kingdom of God will be in that area. That's where the, the Christ is going to come. That's where he's going to return to. To you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but to them which... Um, be disobedient. The stone which the builders disallowed the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him 
who has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light, in his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God always looks into the future and sees it as fulfilled. Can you look into your life and see your life fulfilled into the kingdom of God, walking in Zion with Christ and Moses and Ezekiel and all of the saints someday? Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Glorify God in the day of visitation when he comes to this earth and he comes to Zion and we're with him and we're a part of that. We read this a lot and I think that we read this a lot. It's in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I think we read this a lot because it's so very important to understand that there's both a physical thing in our life and we live a physical life day to day. We get up, we go to work, we <laughs> go to work, lots of work sometimes. And uh, you know, we sleep, we do the things that uh, humans do. But there's also for God's children, there's a spiritual aspect to our life. And we don't really, I think sometimes we don't realize the power that's there, the energy that's there for us to tap into, um, and the ability for God to direct our lives and to, to, to have a, a, a direct influence and a power in our lives. Um, in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 18, he says, For you're not come to the, to, to the mount that might be touched and that burn with fire, nor blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of a trumpet, the voice of the words which voice they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. It was so powerful that they quaked in their, in their, uh, their hearts. They, they just didn't want to hear God speak again. The sound, and for they could not endure that which was commanded and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, that it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you are come to Mount Zion. You are come to Mount Zion. It's a spiritual mountain today. God looks forward to the day when he can come to this physical earth, be with his children on a regular basis. It's something that he, he looks forward to. But right now, we can go to God we come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable company of, of, of angels, to the general assembly of, and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men, just men made perfect, and to Jesus, our precious Savior, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks of better things, than able, and then he goes on to see that, say that please don't refuse it because it's so wonderful, so powerful, so great for each and every one of us. Brethren, that day will come. 
we may live to see the return of Christ, or if we are laid down in the grave as some of us older people, um, we'll see that day because we will be a part of it. And we will live in Zion with God and Jesus Christ.